Welcome to The Accelerators. Here for you are a series of tried and tested and proven real world ideas to help you create and enjoy a business and a life of choice. The Accelerators, because success loves speed. And now for the interview I did with Barry Hearn. I first met Barry when we were both playing golf at the Belfry, the Ryder Cup venue. We got into conversation and after some months trying to find a spot in Barry's busy diary, I finally met up with him at the Waldorf Hotel in London, where I recorded the interview. Let me tell you a bit about Barry. Barry Hearn qualified as a chartered accountant in 1970 and spent several years with a major firm of international accountants before moving into the commercial world as finance director of Kensal House Investments. After a period in the fashion industry and property development, he became chairman of Lucania Snooker Clubs in 1974 and began to involve the snooker hall chain in amateur tournament promotions. In 1976, Steve Davis, the world-famous snooker and now pool player, began playing at the Romford Lucania Club, and the two struck up a friendship which was to have a major influence on the world of snooker. In 1982, Riley Leisure acquired the chain of Lucania Snooker Clubs for £3.1 million, leaving Barry free to concentrate on the development of snooker both in the UK and overseas. With the support of the matchroom professional players, Barry promoted snooker all over the world and has been particularly instrumental in the development of the game in the Far East. Barry began his involvement in big-time boxing by going straight in at the deep end, staging the Joe Bugner vs Frank Bruno heavyweight showdown at Tottenham's White Hart Lane Stadium in 1987 in front of 30,000 people. Since then, the matchroom boxing stable has risen to the top in both Britain and Europe. It's staged over 50 promotions throughout the season, including British Commonwealth, Europe and World Championship bats. Together with Sky TV, who televised many of matchroom sports shows, Barry has helped discover and develop such champions as Chris Eubank, Nigel Benn, Herbie Hyde, Carl Crook, Francis Ampuofo, Steve Collins, Jim McDonnell and Heyman Lochlan. Whilst the sports of snooker and boxing are firmly established as two of the most popular on television, Barry has set his considerable sights on other immensely popular but less well-known sports. Barry promotes the world's richest course fishing match, Fishermania, live on Sky Sports for six hours. The Marlin World Cup from Mauritius is another blue-chip event in the matchroom sport portfolio. Finally, Barry is intent on developing the game of pool from a pub game into a huge TV sport and the success of his Moscone Cup Europe versus America match and the world nine-ball pool masters is a testament to the progress that has been made. In addition, Barry has also developed poker, one of the world's favourite games, into a viable live TV draw with the running of Poker Million, the first edition of which took place in November 2000. With £1 million to the winner, Poker Million is another innovative idea that's certain to run and run. In this interview, Barry shares his thoughts about motivation and management. So, let's go to that interview now. Barry, you're known to so many people through your matchroom company, obviously. And through that and your other activities, you've been the manager of and developed so many sports stars. What are your key thoughts on man management? There is no little black book on man management because people are not the same. This is the first rule. You have to know your clients extremely well to be able to get the most out of them, for them to perform at the highest level, and for you to be able to maximise the commercial exploitation, which is primarily our objective. Yeah. To do that, you've got to know the person behind the sportsman. Everyone is different. I've had people, boxers, snooker players, darts players, golfers, some that you shout at, some that you put your arm around, some that you hold up against a wall and give them a good hiding. And some they're intelligent enough to actually look at long-term plans and philosophy and 
the practicalities of winning. Sure. So everyone changes. The first thing is you've got to get to know your subject matter properly. And that's not something, there is no little book which says, how do you manage someone? It changes by the, each personality being different. Fantastic. So if you were having somebody who was, let's say, an outward-going positive character, as opposed to one of the quiet ones, how would you deal with that person if, if things weren't going the way you thought they could? Again, it, there's not a sort of a hard-line approach. Usually you find with the quieter people that they have an inner strength. Yeah. Because obviously we're dealing with people pretty well... They're achievers already, if you like. We have a phrase in boxing which says that great fighters make trainers great. And I think in management, you know, great sporting personalities make managers great. So in other words, it's not us that bring the greatness, it's the player. And they have to understand that straight away. We're not here to enhance my reputation. We're here to look after a sportsman. And actually, without him, we don't have a business. True. So... You generally find the quieter ones generally have an inner strength. The problem there is to get the personality over to a wider audience so that you can enhance his commercial exploitation. With the louder, more gregarious, outgoing types, sometimes that's a front for someone that doesn't really have the confidence in their own ability and you have to install a sense of self-discipline and let them to believe in exactly how good they are. And some of the sort of phrases you would use is, you know, there are millions of people out there you know, when someone's having that appointment where they have to ask themselves some serious questions, can I cope with this pressure? Can I actually make this putt? Yeah. Can I score this penalty? Yeah. Can I beat this bloke because he looks awesome and muscly and whatever? Can I put this black in? Yeah. Really well, you have to remind them some basics. The basics are, why did you start playing this game? Why did you start doing this to begin? Did you not do it? Did you not begin with a dream? Did you not begin to want to be in the position that you are now in? So in other words, all the life you've dreamed and you've aimed your life towards a certain point, are you going to blow it now by not believing in yourself when it's your whole life? Good are you prepared to die to win? Because if you're not prepared to die, it's a dramatic statement. Are you prepared to die to win? Because your opponent probably isn't. Right. So, so if you are. If you are, you have the edge. And, you know, you can use this edge in a variety of ways. With a fighter, the question is, this is a dangerous game. You could end up getting badly hurt today. Are you prepared for that? Are you really prepared? If you had to die, would you go through that? Would you get off your stool in the 12th round with your heads hanging off? And if your answer is not yes, don't go in there to start with. If you're a snooker player and your nerves are going and it's 17 or in the World Championship final, isn't this really what you always dreamed of isn't this a position you've always really wanted so therefore you should enjoy it shouldn't you you shouldn't be nervous about it you should take your opportunity you know fortune does favor the brave the fact that you have abilities without question because you wouldn't be here to start with so it's a mixture of self-belief and the understanding of the price you have to pay to achieve your objectives and actually works in business as well as sport we all have the situation where you say to yourself you know, I could have been a dustman and I would have been a bloody good dustman. But actually, I wanted more. And now that I've got it, I'm not going to abuse what God has given me by turning down the opportunity. I'm going to take it. Lovely words. I could feel the hairs go up on the back of my neck as you were saying that one. Mm. Are you prepared to die for it? Well, I've actually used that a couple of times in really big fights, which have been crucial career turning points in fighters. And, you know, in the boxing is a, a sport where... There are lots of old phrases and very Damien Runyesh characters that have come out with sort of, you know, lines at the right moment. 
And it's the key to, to everything is the timing. There are times when sportsmen need to be left alone to gather their thoughts. A good trainer doesn't jabber in a corner and give his fighter 20 instructions in one minute. He hasn't got the intellect to take that. He can take one or two. Yeah. A forceful point is generally made to certain people who haven't got the brains to actually go away and consider it. Other people you can be subtle with and you can give them something that will be on their mind for 24 hours. And you'd use that technique 24 hours before. But with fighters, you generally go down to, what do you want for your children? What do you want for your family? And are you prepared to die? To a person that has a lot of money, to a sportsman that has been successful, you tend to err on the side of history. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as the guy that choked on the final round because he wasn't really good enough? Or do you believe in yourself enough that you're capable of playing, as Steve Davis once said, a very good phrase, the ultimate winner is someone who plays when it means everything, but he plays as if it means nothing. What a great expression. Mm. What a great Well, look, thinking about the sports side of things, there's some great ideas there. I know you're a very keen golfer, because mm. obviously that's where we met, at the Belfry, where they hold the Ryder Cup on the first day of the Absolutely. What do you take from your golf that you apply in business? I think golf is a, probably a better example. Golf is a practice game. Yep. You can be born a street fighter and you can achieve a certain amount just with, as Mike Tyson showed you, just with the street mentality. Mm -hmm. A sport like golf is one where you have to dedicate yourself. You have to have rules and you have to have a discipline within your approach to the game and the way you play the game. In the same way as in business, we have a discipline. I'm a fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants and although I don't practice anymore, my discipline is installed in the early days. So whereas I may look as a flamboyant character, a risk taker, an egomaniac, actually none of that is true because inside me beats the heart of a boring, trained accountant. (laughs) So my rules what I take from golf is I don't go into a business venture, I don't go into an event, I don't go into any form of operation without having my basic rules in place is my swing good well my swing in my business is a budget a cash flow funding make sure that i have a reasonable opportunity to profit sure that's my basic swing technology and then you come into the fact well now you have a good swing at golf how do you produce that swing a hundred times out of a hundred and the way you do that is you graft You work on the practice range until your swing becomes automatic in your brain. Moving to the business side, I graft. Every time I have an operation or I have a business that I'm working on, I work on it as if it was my swing, over and over and over again, to the point of repetition where my brain knows that I will be making 100 phone calls, I will be having 20 meetings, and I will make sure that every possible exploitation of the product that I am working on will be taken advantage of. That's the consistency that goes into a business, the same as a golf swing. Then finally you come to the actual game itself, and that's where everything, all the practice, if you've done it right, then really you just have to turn up. You don't have to do anything dramatic because you've done the work. It's like a boxer that has trained properly for a championship fight. He doesn't learn how to fight when he's walking in the arena. He's had his fight before he walks in the arena if he's trained properly. Similarly with golf, you've done the work on the driving range. And as in business, there shouldn't be an event. If you're good enough, there shouldn't be anything 
that can come out to frighten you because you have prepared properly. So once that's done, the final stage is can you keep your nerve when it's close? That's something that has to be born in you, my friend. You can't practice that. Great analogy, great metaphor. Thank you, Barrett. Over the years since you sold Lacani's snooker clubs in 82, you've promoted all sorts of sporting activities and make them very, very successful and watched by lots of people. So I know you've experienced many negotiations. What's your key strategies or thoughts on negotiating? Well, how long is this tape? Again, (laughs) to an extent negotiations change depending on the personality you're negotiating with. Never underestimate the opposition, never underestimate your customer. Always understand that that is exactly what they are, a customer. And the customer is always right, but sometimes he doesn't know it and he needs to be educated. Depending on the strength, I think what you have to do, like in any one-to-one deal, you have to evaluate the strength that you bring to the table. What is the demand for your product? Is it something, and you have to put your heart to one side of your wallet here, something you care about may not be so much in demand as you personally think. So you have to be analytical, you have to be open-minded, and you have to really concentrate on the true market value, not the market value that you believe exists, but the real market value. There will come times when you have more leverage than you know. That's the time when you maximize your profits. There are other times when you go in very cap in hand, very Uriah heap, very humble, and you will do a deal because the deal has to be done. So again, it depends very much on the level. And you know, there's lots and lots of different techniques which are fascinating. My favorite is always probably Don King because I think Don King, apart from being a very larger-than-life character, is also a first-class promoter and a first-class, what I would call a street businessman. He's the best analyzer of the other side of the table. And there are times when he realizes he's in a dominant position where he will have your trousers off and you will be happy to give them. Yeah. You'll be lucky to keep your underwear. And Don has a, the odd phrase, which he repeats at the right time, and timing is everything. And I remember once where he would turn around and doing a big deal, and the deal was agreed, millions and millions of dollars. And they went to shake hands, and King said, no, the deal's not done yet. And the TV company concerned said, I, I think we've, we've finished. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You've bought my product but you haven't yet bought me. And you have to understand that without me, there is no product. Right. Now, when you look at me, you don't look at a 70-year-old black entrepreneur with wiry hair. I am an athlete, and athletes get signing-on fees. <laughs> I like and, this. of course, the, the story is legendary that he eventually got a huge signing-on fee as well as selling a whole range of product to him. I have used that myself on a few occasions, and it's never failed. But that is the ultimate leverage when you feel that you have the product that is a must-have product. In sports, sometimes there are lots of products which are must-have. Premier football, obviously, in the UK, the Ryder Cup, Wimbledon. But the secret is getting the niche market to think that it's a must-have product. So in my business, where we would do the world's biggest fishing competition, which becomes a must-have product for the fishing industry. That's Fishermania. That's Fishermania. Whereas you may look at the Moscone Cup in Vegas in December, which has now become a must-have product for Q fans, if you like. Yeah. So there's no black and white, again, there's no black and white rule, but it's a question of understanding your market. The key issue is targeting your market. The then issue is realistic 
value yeah. and then convincing the person sitting opposite you that that is the right price for him to pay. It's, uh, it's an art form. Barry is so busy with all these different things you do. What with Fishermania that we just mentioned, with the Poker Million, with Paul Moscone Cup, with the Weber Cup, with bowling that you're now brought mm -hmm. on as well. All these things that you do in life, late and Orient. What are the skills, what are the techniques, what are the ideas you use to squeeze so much out of every day, no. out of life? You just seem to do yeah. so much stuff. I think the most thing, whatever you do, is to appreciate the life you have. And I've been very fortunate that by chance, 25 years ago, I stumbled into the sports business, became friends with a great guy called Steve Davis, who's a legend in the UK on snooker, and he's still my friend, and so I manage him now, 28 years later. So it's a legendary association. But I think if you're getting fun out of what you do, and I have to say that there is aggravation in our type of business from time to time, of course there is. Yeah. But every day is exciting, every day is different. And my business has grown. Uh, eight sports that we dominate in, really. And Lake Norrent Football Club, for my sins, just to bring me down to earth again. Yeah. It's been successful, but what it's done is provided me with a platform to enjoy my life. And every day is such a pleasure that you can never imagine not getting up with a smile on your face and having a... I always feel my heartbeat accelerate slightly when I arrive at work which is a great sign. And it increases slightly when I arrive home in the evening because you've had a good day. And if you can wake up with a smile on your face every day and a sense of anticipation, and I've been fortunate to be like that for 25 years, it's been a wonderful, wonderful time. And my only intention is to make it last as long as possible. Just keep on going. Keep on going. Now, over those many, many years, as you mentioned that you're an accountant as well and all these different businesses, there must have been times when things didn't go well. You might use the word of failure. Mm. What's the biggest failure you've had? What did you learn from it? What could no, anybody else take from it? I think that getting sloppy. Yeah. Complacency is the biggest sin in any business because no matter how good you think you are, and I've never been short in my own evaluation, complacency can hit you. And I think if I look back over my career over the last 25 years, my lowest points don't revolve around necessarily losing money or making money, but being sloppy. And you have to look yourself in the mirror. And this is, again, you say this to a lot of your sportsmen, you have to be big enough to look yourself in the mirror and say, I made a complete mess of that. Because it's the only way you can almost guarantee you won't do it again. Yeah. If you think you were unlucky, if you think it was someone else's fault, if you think there's something else to blame, it distracts you from making the real right decision that you were out of order to begin with. And I've had a couple where I've trusted people, where perhaps I've gone ahead without the contract being signed or without the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed, and it's come back and bit me in the backside. Yeah. And it's all very well saying that that bloke's a rascal or he's a no-good double-dealing dog, <laughs> but the reality is that you weren't good enough. So you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, Barry, that one's down to you. Don't blame anybody else. I hate sportsmen that have excuses for losing but show me a sportsman that says, I wasn't good enough, but I can be, and I'll show you a champion. And the same rule applies in business. Great ideas. Successful people are always great communicators mm. because they just have to be at some stage in their life. Even sports people who are now appearing on TV all the time. What do you see as some of the key skills that people need to be able to communicate effectively with other people? 
Great communication comes primarily from confidence. Confidence in your ability, confidence to talk about what you do, and confidence and a desire to put your points across to a bigger audience. Insecure people don't make great. They just they, they don't contribute anything to that type of dialogue. You've realized you actually identify communicators as being successful, but they're actually successful generally before they become communicators. Especially in sport. Yeah. I mean, you see so many sportsmen that if you take Steve Davis, again, the comparison there is 28 years ago, he never opened his mouth. No. He won six world championships, 91 other titles, and suddenly he's a great communicator. The reason is there was always a great communicator within them, but they didn't have the confidence to let it go. Chris Eubank, one of my fighters, was always a great communicator because he had a passionate belief in what he was saying and a passionate belief in his own personality really to allow himself to express himself so you do find that successful people generally are only successful because in some way they are a good communicator either with a team of people or within their own world of organizing their own businesses but you generally find that they become acknowledged as a great communicator after they've achieved success so confidence and absolute passion in what you're talking about totally right without those two hey you can't sell anything unless you would think you would buy it yourself. Good line, good line. Barry, we're coming ever so close to the end of our time together, and I know you're a busy man, so I've got to ask you this final question, which is this. If you had one piece of advice for someone in business or wanted to be in business, which you know for a fact from your own experience would make them more successful, what would it be and why that particular one? Well... There isn't one piece of advice. I don't mind if there's five. I think there's a combination of things that you need to put in line before you will achieve proper success. The combination is, one, you must start off with ability. You must have something about you that is different from the norm. Secondly, you must have an ability never, ever to give up. If you really believe in something, you have to see it through. Because, like cancer, it will kill you if you give up on something and you didn't achieve your objectives. And number three, you have to be prepared to graft and work every second of every day and not play games. You can't play games with it. If you really want it, then you have to leave nothing in your way. If it means you're ruthless, in some people's eyes, that's fine as well. Because once you have a goal, you have to focus on that goal. You must not be distracted from that goal and you must not rest until it's achieved. And finally, you need a little bit of luck, mate. You've really got to have that little bit of magic luck that comes down from up high, and I don't know where it comes from. What little I've had, I'm grateful for, but I tell you this, there isn't one successful person out there that doesn't need a little bit of luck as well. If you've enjoyed our session today, why not head over to our website where we have loads of resources on product creation, on sales, on marketing, and of course, on personal success. That's at theaccelerators.club.com. I'll see you there.